You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? This is Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. She really doesn't. One of the many, many reasons that I love her so. <laughs> Joni Jett. I <laughs> hope you're doing well wherever you might be. If you ever watch this video, she's going through all the record labels who told her no for whatever reason. It's kind of funny. 639 that's the Baker Team Hotline, text line 744-2990. Anything that's on your mind, we'd love to hear from you. Jen, Mike Ashley, and Brent Pry on the Finally Friday edition. So that's as good of a trifecta as you're going to find anywhere in the land from a radio guest perspective here today. Trying to snap out of my RU hoops losing a game funk this morning. Appreciate everybody, as always. Helping me get out of this. <laughs> Takes a little while. Takes a little while. See how it goes tomorrow at Longwood. Appreciate that. Henry wrote in, says, love your show. Listen every morning. Love the opens to your show. Love the old uh, sound bites. Yeah, th- those are uh, things that were part of the original show, too. So we just, when we rebooted Henry, we just kind of left certain things there as kind of a homage to the first 10 years of this program. The old NFL film sound bites from the just awesome what was then a compact disc, now you can find it anywhere on your musical downloads. The NFL Power and the Glory. Massive. A lot of fun. The Power and the Glory CD is what we got that stuff off of. And it is great hearing those voices. Many of those voices are no longer with us. One being there, Marty Schottenheimer, leading off Hour 2 and his famous There's a Gleam Men, go get the gleam. That was right before John Elway subsequently went 98 yards in Cleveland in the first of three AFC championship games that the teams would play against one another. 
We had uh, Alex Guerra in studio yesterday. It's sticking ball time, right? Radford today at home, 1 o'clock. They moved it up against Iona. Virginia Tech baseball starts in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, against the College of Charleston. Three-game set before they return to Blacksburg, English Field, against East Tennessee State next Tuesday. Not the most daunting of starting schedules for the uh, Tech baseball team. They've got Bryant coming in after that. And our local softballers are also getting underway. So we do have lots of great stuff going on, right? Softball, baseball. And we'll see how it all plays out. Lots of expectations for both of the Tech stick and ball teams. They get off to a really good start last weekend, Virginia Tech. And they play uh, some ranked squads coming up. Oklahoma State tonight. I'm sorry, this morning, not tonight. That's 10 o'clock, by the way. Uh, They take on Nebraska. This is kind of a round-robin event down in Clearwater, Florida. Um, And I guess the two big ones come at the end of the weekend. UCLA and Arizona on Saturday. That's tomorrow. They have UCLA, who's number two, at four. And then Arizona, who's number ten, at seven. That's a tough back-to-back. And then they finish up against South Florida at noon on Sunday. Repeat, Demore's squad. So, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, and as Wayne just uh, wrote in, we lost yet someone else uh, of prominence. And, my goodness, 2023, yesterday Tim McCarver passed away. A day after we lost um, Raquel Welch. I mean, it just it just keeps on happening with with folks that we grew up with or, or knew, right? It's just it's incredible. I mean, I I'm not trying to make light of any of this. This is just um, a lot of folks that we've already lost. Burt Bacharach last week from our childhood, folks we grew up with from a from a sports perspective alone. There have already been a lot. We lost Cindy Williams, right, a couple weeks ago. David Crosby's passed away this year. Gina Lola Brigida, the, the actress, remember she passed away. Robbie Knievel passed away. Lisa Marie Presley. I'm just looking at some of the names here. And this isn't even everybody. This is just some of the... The bigger name, Jeff Beck. My goodness. Adam Rich from 8 is Enough. And now Tim McCarver, of course. Terrific catcher. Bob Gibson's catcher. Great friends throughout their lives. I mean, from a sports perspective only. If you just look at 
some of the folks who have passed away, it's really just, it's scary. It really is. Tim McGarver, of course, known for his uh, run-in with Deion Sanders. You remember that? The, uh, the infamous, was that the water cooler incident? I think it was. Yeah, it was the water cooler incident in the locker room after a championship series. So Tim McGarver was a really good broadcaster. Good catcher. Grew up with him, listening to him. A lot of people did. When will it end, 2023? You can stop now. You can stop. Please. Yeah, it was great seeing you as well, Rodney. Rodney uh, Young, listener of the program. Carolina guy. Came up to me and said, hey, last night. It's great to have you there. We had the Pulaski County Boys basketball team at the Dedman Center last night. So that was really nice. So I'll tell you what, it was huge, huge crowd last night. Considering that, um, you know, you had the Tech women's game that had such a large crowd, and it was nice to see so many people come down to Dedman as well. So it was a big basketball night, and it was nice to see you as well, Rodney. Gra- glad to see that the youngsters had a uh, a good time at Dedman. It was a good atmosphere last night. The students were good. Everything in place except uh, the W at the end. So there'll be a practice a little later today, and then uh, we'll head to Farmville later in the afternoon. It's not that long of a trip. And we will see how all that plays out tomorrow. And uh, something, I think something like in their last 29 home games, Longwood's 26-3, and three, so... Not going to be easy mark tomorrow for the Highlanders. But they've been able to go on the road. They won six in a row in conference on the road. They've had two streaks that are so impressive. The nine-game winning streak in conference play, first and foremost, doesn't happen to many teams in any league across the nation. And the fact that they've won six straight on the road is um, very troubling. I mean, very impressive. See, as troubling as last night was, it's time to put it aside. I know Darius Nichols will. But I will say this, that Asheville team, they've got everything in place to win out. And I don't just mean win out in the regular season, but to win out in the tournament. Now, that remains to seen whether it can happen because the Big South is, is kind of a crapshoot once you get into the postseason. It seems like every year somebody emerges. And that could still be Radford. But at the same time, they are very adept to playing the game. And they're a very difficult matchup. Drew Pember makes them a difficult matchup. He's been over 40 points three times. Last night he had 19. He's kind of lets the game come to him. The official box score had him down for, I think, three blocks, but he blocked like seven shots last night. He didn't get enough credit for all the blocks that he had. And if he wasn't blocking shots, he was changing them. He leads the nation in that category. And he's so good at blocking shots without fouling, and that's the thing. He puts himself in good position. But that's a veteran team 
They have a trio of players on that team that combined have played right around 500 games. I mean, they have had in the past some kids leave via the portal, but they have kept those players there who came in with Coach Morrell, which is very impressive. They wanted to see it through. Guys like Tajon Jones and Doc Battle to finish up their extra year there to see if they can get to the promised land. When they started out the first year they all got there, they were 4-27. and Think about that for a second. 4-27 and is your first year in college basketball. Mike Morrell inherited an absolute mess. And now here they are, 21-7 and on the year, 13-2 and in Big South play. Just staying the course. And you know what? They are a prime example to everyone who gets impatient about programs and where they're going, i.e. maybe Virginia Tech football. It just shows you that in certain instances, it takes a little longer. They had patience with the process down at Asheville. Now they're reaping the benefits. He's got a really good recruiting class coming in next year. So they are a good example just to see what can happen when you stay the course and keep everyone immersed, which isn't easy when you're going through losses. And what... Darius Nichols has done the process of what he's doing to establish his program. 11 wins last year, and he kind of inherited a tough situation with players leaving. And then this year already, he's got six more wins than he had all of last year, 17 wins for Radford. So you're already plus six in year two. But it's just a reminder. And sometimes, you know, even I need a reminder. And I work in college athletics. I know how it works, but, boy, as a fan, you just want to see that immediate turnaround. Because we do see examples of it. It happens in the NFL all the time. Teams will go from four wins, and all of a sudden, here they are. The darlings of the season, then they make the playoffs, and then you're talking about them being contenders going forward. So maybe that's why we get a little frustrated. But I know one thing. Our final guest of the week, Brent Pry, who will join us at 8.35. Um, he's never swayed from his message. It's been very impressive. And they attack the offseason in terms of the roster. They're attacking the offseason now with these uh, morning workouts. The hunger drills. And I think year two is going to be a pleasant surprise. I know the schedule... On paper, is tougher, but, you know, you got to be careful. You don't want to just say, oh, well, they're going to be so – you never know. NFL folks do that all the time just because they want to sell more interest and they want to just continue to be the best PR firm of any professional league, right? They start judging the next schedule for the new year on what happened the previous year, and you can't do it that way. You see how the schedule unfolds as the year goes on. Stories are told week to week in a season, not based on what happened the year before. Personnel changes so much, especially now in college football with the portal, with coaching changes, right? All the transfers. Basing your new schedule for the year in front of you, unless, of course, it contains a Georgia or an Alabama (laughs) or Ohio State, okay. But for the most part, yeah, Purdue – 
coming in the Lane Stadium going to be much tougher than a Wofford. That's a given. Going on the road to play Rutgers is at least a Big Ten road game. So, you know, you just don't know until you get there in the game and, and find out. But I think this team's going to be much better in every way, and I think these coaches are going to be much better. And we'll talk to Coach Pry about all that as well. We're going to step out take a break. Jen joining us a little early. Appreciate her and Mike both adjusting their schedule for Coach Pry. Dawn has arisen. Looks like the rain has subsided a bit. It was coming down pretty strong this morning at 4.30, I'll tell you that. So leave yourself a little more time and be safe. We'll be back. More coming up. Talking Highlanders, they're talking Hokies. What the heck are you even talking about? If it's local sports you seek, look no further, you found it. Don't you know? Talking about More BDST next on the WRAD Talk Network. Cincinnati Bengals and the Virginia Tech Hokies, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. All right, welcome back here. Heading to the bottom of the hour. Thanks to uh, all of you today. Lots of text messages coming in. Coming up, Jen the Gamecock Girl. Mike Ashley at the top of hour three. And then Brent Pry, the head football coach at Virginia Tech. This is the disturbed version of the later Genesis hit Land of Confusion that if you remember the video, they had these weird puppets. <laughs> Not really sure what was going on there with the, uh, the puppets. Wayne not happy with the earlier Duran Duran slander. <laughs> uh, I guess the best way for me to to categorize Duran Duran, I wasn't like they weren't offensively bad, right? But I just never really sat there going, "Yeah, you heard that new Duran Duran tune," <laughs> you know, because they weren't. They were just a pop band. They weren't, there was never any rock and roll in there at all. It was all just pop and videos and Simon Le Bon. You know, they were, but they're, they're a huge definition of 80s music. Like I say, not, not offensively bad, but I'm not, I'm not throwing on a Duran Duran album on a, on a weekday or a weekend afternoon when I want to hear some good jams. <laughs> hey man, what you put on that uh put on that Rio album? Yeah. Let's rock out to some hungry like the wolf. Hey, I know. Let's let's hear some wild boys. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no, no. But that's fine. Hey, that's fine. You like them, and you really like them. If you like them, like them, good for you. Somebody we all like them, like them. Jen the Gamecock Girl joins us next from Columbia here on this rainy Friday afternoon. Hope all is well with you and your world. And as always, we appreciate you listening to the program. We'll be back. Ted Hendricks, and you're listening to the Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. All right, starting our guest a little earlier here on this Friday. Joining us on the program from Columbia, South Carolina, it's Jen the Gamecock Girl. Jen, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. Big weekend plans for you, my dear? I'm owned by USC this weekend with our largest audition day I think we've ever had since I've worked here. Oh, really? I know. I'm excited. I mean, ultimately, it's good. It's just kind of stressful. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Well, what all do you have to do now this weekend? What is your role in all this? (laughs) Oh, so much. Um, I'm part of a two-person team that oversees it. So we will host all the recruits and their parents and do a bunch of info info sessions. And um, they'll actually audition for us. And then we will have tours of campus, tours of the music building. Essentially kind of like an open house type event. Will there be bourbon? No. No. Wow. Okay. <laughs> not, not until I'm done. Oh, okay. And then there will be. <laughs> well, don't you think that would help with the big uh, recruiting weekend? I mean, wouldn't you think if you just said, hey, everybody, we got bourbon samples. <laughs> Come on. Well, it's funny you said that because I actually, I, last weekend, because of my birthday, I had a bottle of bourbon in my office someone had given me. And one of the parents saw it in my office and was very impressed and said he was from New York. And he said that the women up there don't drink bourbon, <laughs> which I'm sure is not totally accurate, but it was fun. No, and he was that, appreciating the Southern women. I would say that's uh, I would say that's completely accurate, to be honest with you. Yeah, oh yeah, the Southern woman. Come on, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it seemed to work because he came right out by the end of the weekend and told me that it was now his son's first choice. Yeah, oh. and they, they'd already paid the enrollment deposit and everything. Really. Wow, what is mm-hmm. what is the overall enrollment down at South Carolina? We're up to around thirty five thousand now. So you're kind of like Virginia Tech almost, right? You're about the same. Yeah, about the same. It is. Size it's very similar. But we do. We have a medical school and law school as part of the university too. And lots of warm weather. Yes, lots of it. It's beautiful right now. It's going to be great today. I, I, going to be colder but I just heard your weather report and it's not going to be as cold as it is up there and a rising football program is is what everybody's on board with right year three for Shane Beamer yeah isn't that fun it's so cool to be optimistic about football again 
How did, uh, let me ask you this, and this isn't a dig because I was hoping you would win, but how did the loss to Notre Dame in the bowl game, did that get anybody down or are they just saying, okay, well, that didn't work out, but we're still on a good trajectory? What was the overall reaction as, you know, one game set aside as opposed to what was accomplished during the season? Mm, I think it'd probably be more like what you said in the second (laughs) category. I mean, it was a little bit deflating at first, a little disappointing. But then again, once everyone realized the 20 players yes. were out. Yes. And then Notre Dame, I think, had three or four out. So, I mean, I think we all realized that we just ran out of gas. We had the momentum to win that for a while. We just couldn't sustain it. We didn't have enough depth and enough bodies out there, ultimately. Well, and I think everybody knows that and gets it now, and so everyone's fine. Um, and it wasn't, you know, big blowout. It wasn't embarrassing because, as you know, we've had those kinds of bowl games I do. Before. I do. I know. I know. <laughs> so it wasn't one of those. So, you know, I mean, it was definitely competitive, and it was a game we could have won. And I think everyone knows that. Well, and this is just where the lack of self-governance is going to continue to subtly hurt college football, right? They continue to increase the amount of these bowl games, right? Uh, what did we have, 40-some last year? It's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So many. Like I, It was hard to really keep track of it, yeah. even when we were doing the bowl game. I pick. know, I know. I couldn't remember who was playing. No, nobody can. And then you're going to have even more situations, like the one that your team faced, where you're going to have player after player deciding mm-hmm. not to play for whatever reason. I mean, these bowl games are nothing but exhibitions now, except for maybe a handful that have something to do in the national picture. It'll it'll feel a little bit better when they finally expand the playoff, but when the players across the country don't care, then why should fans care? And ESPN won't care because they're still going to get ratings. They're still going to have people watch it. But, yeah, I mean, I think what you're going to see every year, depending on which bowl you, you go to, you're going to have probably you can count on seven, eight starters not going to play, right, for whatever reason. And then the fans will stop going. Yes. I mean, yeah, already the numbers were problematic for many of those games. So, you know, what point is it worth it for the bowl organizers to even put on a live event with so few people there? That's going to be interesting to see because people will just give up on going. I mean, our fans travel really well, and we had the majority of the fans at the stadium this past time. But there will get to be a point where fans won't respond to that favorably at all. Don't you think? I mean, it's not that far away. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you're right. The networks won't care, and and most of the time the bowl sponsors won't care. As long as they can sell out corporate sponsorship opportunities, they they probably don't even care much about the ticket sales, not as much anyway. Plus, they're going to get network money and vice versa. So, I mean, it's just a bad formula, just like it was allowing all this to happen with the NIL and the the unlimited portal. Again, it's just people that are making way too much money who don't do their jobs, basically. Right? I mean, that's where that's what it is. It's a weird transition, and um, going into that ball game, I personally I knew that we had a bunch of people out, and I was braced for that whole situation. But it changes your outlook as a fan. I mean, it's it obviously is discouraging when things like that happen, and it doesn't feel anymore like something that like the bowl season used to be just so exciting and I would always go every single time without question now I now I have hesitation about the bowl stuff 
And, you know, it's just created hesitation. It's created roadblocks for fans to get invested in it in the same way that we used to be. Agreed. Agreed. And you kind of knew that. I remember when we talked about it and previewed the game with you, you were just kind of like, yeah, but we're not full we're not full capacity of what we need to be for this game. I think everybody – so did you, did you get the vibe down there once you were watching the game? I mean, everybody kind of had the same feeling you did. They were just like, okay, but this isn't really a, even a true game, even though it is Notre Dame. I think some fans honestly didn't know that I talked to. Of course, you know, I could not go to the game because I was recovering from my surgery at that point. But um, when I was talking with other fans, people who were not as into – research, learning about it, et cetera. They were completely shocked when I told them what was going on. Um, so I, I think now people are learning, like after the game, people realize like, oh, now that makes sense what happened. <laughs> but people are, have to get in that new mindset of understanding all these dynamics and, and learning about it and understanding how it affects what we see on the field. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be more and more issues popping up every, every year. But uh, then again, you know, as long as money's coming in via the folks who are promoting it, then it'll continue to be promoted. You know, unless we see a situation like Disney that's imploded because they just have made horrible decision after horrible decision, unless college football implodes itself, I mean, it's not going to go away. I would be a bit surprised to see, Jen, even more ball games be announced this year at some point. You watch. Something's going to happen. <laughs> maybe they already, maybe they already have been, and I've and I've just missed it. But you hardly ever see bowl games not being played anymore, right? I mean, it's it's crazy. Over half of the Division One teams qualify for bowls now. I don't know. It is a little ridiculous. I mean, like I think too. I mean, when you do get those other kinds of bowls, it presents a whole nother um, agenda, and it. it creates problems too for schools like just for example if we go to a much lesser bowl here you know oftentimes that means all of our band students have to miss christmas at home and you know it presents all these other problems that people don't know about and don't understand so you know that part is not great there's a lot to it that a lot of people don't understand but it affects a lot of people at universities and and not always in a good way yeah, that's a great point because in the position you're in, yeah, you want your band to be there, to be festive, the support and what that creates. But if you're going to some second or third tier bowl, you're right. What's the point of taking on that expense and knocking kids out of their holidays, right? I'm with you. I mean, it's not good to be able to be in a position where you have to tell students, okay, um, we have a 360 in our marching band. So to tell Whoa. 360 students, okay, you're going to miss your Christmas at home. And you're going to leave a day before Christmas Eve and be gone through Christmas and then go back. Is that worth it, really, ultimately, in the end? Right. That's the question. No, it's not. It's really not. And it, it is a conundrum, say the least, for everybody else who's outside of the programs. It is. And I think a lot of times that goes unchecked, like you're saying. But 360, wow. How do you get to that number, by the way? Like, I don't know. Like, what is there a certain <laughs> – like do you recruiting? Ha- well, I mean, is it? Do you have a lid on it? Is it like a cap on the amount of band members you can have or that you need to have? How do you guys? We break- do. Yeah. Yes. I mean, everybody does because you only have a certain amount of uniforms and space to travel, money for travel, et cetera. So yeah, that's we're getting close to the max. I think we we already have auditions and make cuts and everything. Like marching Virginians at Virginia Tech, they do the 
same thing where oh, they okay. have auditions and make cuts every year. How big is the marching uh, Virginians band up here? Oh, I lost track of their number. I don't know their exact number now. They're a nice, big, healthy band now. JMU, too. Really great marching band. Huge. So, you know, those kinds of programs, they have to make cuts. You just can't accept unlimited people because you have limited resources. Well, one of the many things that have evolved that I'm glad it, that, but for the most part, now you can speak to this clearly a lot more than me, but I'm so glad that the tradition of marching band still seems to be very prominent because I think one of the many, many elements that make college football so special is the marching band, right? I mean, do you, do you still see it as strong as it was, even given all the, you know, the things that we're adjusting to? I do. I think the fans um, have helped support the marching bands, particularly at these schools where we have really big marching bands, like in the SEC. Yeah. Um, Because for a while, it seemed like the ADs were on a push to go more with a pro-style atmosphere with the loud music, the DJs, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But fans have helped protect the role of marching band and the pageantry and, you know, that's the fact that it's unique to college. And I, I appreciate that too. I mean, it hasn't just been band students and alumni who've fought to keep it as, in a prominent place on, on the day of the games. It's been an overall trend, I think, in trying to protect the marching band. So, yeah, I think it'll be around a long time. I mean, as long as this continues, that's something that makes it different from a pro experience. Well, I agree 100%. I mean, that's part of the whole pageantry of it. When you, I mean, think about it. I'm a new tech fan, right? When you, when you hear the band up here, I mean, everybody gets into it, right? Everybody feels better about everything, right? I mean, sure. Yeah. And of course, Virginia Tech has the benefit of having the Heidi Tidies, too, and such tradition, tradition there. And um, that's exciting, too. So, I, don't you think, I mean, the average fan up there is, is into all that, which is Absolutely, helpful. absolutely. I, I think that, that is such a big element of the Tech Game Day experience. I know we over there, we do the tailgate shows over there before the games, and one of the highlights is when here comes the band, right, through the parking lots, and they're making their way to the stadium. Everybody steps aside, and everybody's greeting them, and they're loud, and they're responding and high-fiving people. I mean, it it helps create that pregame vibe right and without it i'm sorry it wouldn't be the same and i think i i guarantee it's them it's the same way with you guys right do you do you make the entrance like that through all the tailgating area when your band goes into the stadium we do and it's really fun and i have to say too after sunday i I sat in with our basketball band at the game when we um the women's team here played lsu and it was sold out it was on tv on espn this past weekend it was my birthday Sunday, so I sat in with them for a little fun. And I was so impressed with the, the spirit of the group. Again, it was great to be reminded of that. I mean, they really drove all the cheers and the energy from that part of the arena the whole time. They were dancing and playing. It was nonstop. I mean, I always admire the energy that they bring. It's, it's something very special and special to college again. Well, it really is. It really is. And I'm glad to see that uh, those kids are still appreciated um, pretty much. I think it's across the board, don't you? I still be- I see it. You know, they get highlighted a lot, too, on all the television broadcasts, right? Pre-game, halftime, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Throughout the game, they'll cut to the band. I mean, I, I, I just hope that that is one thing that we never lose. And it's kind of cool that you're right there in the middle of it, you know, creating all that. So It is. It is very fun. I sometimes think about – 
me being um, a student in the Christiansburg Band program and thinking about, wow, if I could have seen where I am now, I think I've been so excited about it. So you have to always keep track of that, keep track of what you've been able to do with something. And band has brought me a lot of great experiences. It brought me down here. It's brought me, you know, to international travel and so many friends. So I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be part of it. Did you ever have a desire to be part of one of the tech bands at all? Either one? Did you ever have that? I did. (laughs) Um, Dave McKee was a director over there and he was involved with several, I think he judged some drum major auditions I was involved with at Christiansburg. And I remember telling him at one of them that I wanted to be the drum major of Virginia Tech. And he said, well, let's talk about it. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, he was really sweet. He He's always been a great mentor to me. He's actually just posted something on my Facebook wall not too long ago. And um, I'll always be grateful for him for being one of my mentors there growing up and being so supportive. When did you pick up your first saxophone? When did you go from the drum line to the, uh, the drum major to the saxophone? Oh, it's the, it's the reverse. So sax is my first. Okay. I actually played piano at Radford in their community music program. That was my first musical instrument in third grade. And I took piano lessons for many years. And then I started the sax in sixth grade at Christiansburg Middle <laughs> and went through the program there and um, played saxophone all through high school while I was trying to play basketball. And then I had to make that decision, which I think is sad um, because women's basketball at that time, I don't know if it's still like that, but it, it was during marching band season, so you could not do both very mm-hmm. easily. Um, so I had to pick. In order to become drum major, I had to quit basketball. I'm probably the only person who had quit sports for band. That's <laughs> but true. But it seemed to turn out okay. It was all right. Hey, it doesn't matter, right? You're happy. You you know you made the right decision. It's a, it shows you your maturity you had at a young age to make such a tough decision like that. So that's pretty cool the way it worked out for you. I'm not surprised. It's it hard. worked out okay. Yes, yeah, hard, was... as, hard as you work, I'm not a bit surprised. But well, that's pretty I cool. do miss that, though. Like, if I could have gone back, I wish I could have done both because I do. Um, I hate that I couldn't do both. Well, especially now with your bionic soul, uh, shoulder, I mean, you could probably make shots from midcourt <laughs> regularly. I mean, your three-point range has to be just Not yet. huge. Not yet. Maybe maybe one day. The beat. Um, my arm is getting better day by day, but I'm not ready for that quite yet. Jen from downtown takes on a whole different meeting, right? My goodness, beyond half court. <laughs> You have to extend uh, that defense. I wish it, it, it could give me that superpower, but unfortunately, no. And, and if you had a really good like game music guy, like every time you shot, they would play the Bionic, uh, Bionic Man. I like the way you think. Yeah, well, you know, there you go. All right, well, listen, great stuff. I hope you have a great weekend. I know you will with all the folks, and I can't wait to hear the results on how it went this weekend. I'm going to be glad to have audition days over. As you can hear them raspy still. Yeah, yeah. So I imagine it's going to get worse. Um, but this is our last one of the season. So now we just get to flip to recruiting mode and scholarship mode and go after some of these people, and that will be fun okay. to do. All right. All right. Well, listen, Jennifer, have a good weekend, and we appreciate you as always. Stay safe, and uh, good luck continuing to rehab your shoulder. Thank you. Lots of love to you. Have a good weekend. All right, you too, dear. There you go. That's uh, Jen the Gamecock Girl. Great discussion there, man. Jen, letting you a little bit more uh, behind the curtain what she's into down there. That's pretty cool to have a big recruiting weekend and tryout weekend. All right, we'll take our final break here in hour two. Remind you what's ahead in the power hour. Stay with us. Don't go away here on the finally Friday edition. Overcast. 
It's going to be very, very cold and windy as the day goes forward. We'll be back. Miss something? Oh, you missed that? Well, here it is. Listen to Big Dog Sports Talk anytime. Yeah, we missed you so much. Available wherever you get your podcasts. BTSD will return in a moment on WRAD. Step inside, walk this way, you and me, babe. Hey, hey! So sorry, Def Leppard. All right, hour two's done, hour three. Mike Ashley leading it off, then Brent Fry. Head football coach at Virginia Tech. Stay with us. More coming up. Hope everybody is doing well wherever you might be. As always, thank you so much for making us part of your morning if you chose to do that. Power Hour straight ahead. <laughs> 